0: There's sometimes where there's a you have a felt sense of, okay, this this is the right direction to go, but then there's another direction that appeals to the logical mind. Right? So I'm really guided by my heart, but sometimes I notice there's a conflict between my heart and my mind.
1: Hi, welcome. Uh, Welcome to Building Bigfoot, the podcast where we dive into building your business profitably, but also building yourself. And uh, so I'm with Alex. Now, Alex, I've known uh, for a few years, and I really like Alex. He is a person who is on a personal growth journey. He had a lot of success early on in a uh, more traditional career path. And uh, you can dive into that more and, uh, and then made a big pivot out of that. Um, and from, I've watched them go from success to success, to success, to success, to success. And, and I would even say redefining what success means in that journey. And, um, and so I, I really, really admire and appreciate Alex. I've worked with you, uh, on projects in the past and you always bring a spirit of excellence to everything you do. Um, and today you, you obviously you run uh, black sheep masterminds, which is really a cool event thing. I've seen you post photos in, Um, on boats that look like they're incredible. You're in the middle of paradise. And I think you've done um, masterminds in, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Whistler as well. So you've been, uh, you know, close to the equator, you've been above the equator, you've been kind of everywhere. And then you also have, uh, you're part of soulful sales, which is, all of these are kind of uh, counter-cultural things. So soulful sales, where you're really working with individuals and helping them achieve whatever their, um, their goals are, I think, uh, in, in growing sort of non-traditional uh, businesses. And then uh, you also have a personal coaching where you work with entrepreneurs and clients who, again, are looking for uh, personal development and growth and then also business growth. So without further ado, I want to welcome and interest, uh, introduce Alex.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, it's a, a pleasure to, uh, to be on the Bigfoot podcast. And um, yeah, like Jonathan was saying, we've, we've known each other for a while and every interaction I've had with you has just been uh, such a pleasure. And um, you know, from afar, you and your, your brother have really inspired me in the way that you have um, built your businesses, but not only that, built uh, beautiful families along the way. And that's always something that I was curious about. Can you have the success and the, you know, the healthy, uh, beautiful, thriving family alongside that? Um, so kudos to you and, and thank you for being an inspiration.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And so you, you obviously have a child now as well. that mm-hmm. you've uh, so welcomed to the world. A, um, this boy, girl,
0: yeah, a little girl, she was born about uh, five, five months ago. And, um, yeah, she's, she's been such a, such a blessing. And, um, you know, I, I think she's, she's going easy on us. And some people say that, maybe the first child will go a little easier on you and then the second child comes in to stir things up even further but yeah she's just been such a blessing and um yeah it's it's really expanded me in the process and changed the way that I think about business
1: as well that's so cool yeah no our our first uh our first daughter she um it's so funny her name is amani which means peace mm-hmm. and actually comes from um a swahili word uh meaning one who walks with peace And she definitely has peace, but she is a fireball. (laughs) Uh, And so, uh, and then our second one came along and, uh, and she's, she's more of the, like the mellower um, of the two, but they are both very, very strong girls. And so, I mean, what a fun journey it is being a parent. Hey, like you do grow and it's quite, it's, it's a shocking change. I was, I was blown away by the change. Um, So, uh Alex, why don't you share a little bit? You can start as early as you want um about your entrepreneurial journey. Did you always know that you were going to be in business? Was that something you were attracted to or what happened there?
0: Yeah, so I'll start at the beginning and you know, growing up you have different kids that, you know, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be this or that. And I never had that growing up. I just you know, liked playing sports and just you yeah, being a kid, uh, I I never really had this this long uh, event horizon where I could you know think into the future, and then you know you, you start going through maybe the lower grades of high school, and they start to prepare you through different classes of okay, you could go into this sector of the world or this, and then you'll start to pick your courses depending on who you want to be, and so now you're you know in grade nine or ten, you know, okay, like who am I? Who do I want to be for the rest of my life? Which is kind of ridiculous, but. Um, all I really knew is I wanted to help people. That was kind of my north star. I want to help people. I remember um, at some point uh, when I was a kid, we were driving down the highway, and there was a big accident on the other side of the road, and it had just happened. And you could see that there was people still in the car. And it was kind of a chaotic scene, and um, you know I was probably seven or eight years old, and I had I just felt like my heart would leap out of my chest, and almost like felt like crying. Which is kind of an interesting experience at that age to have something hit you so deeply emotionally. I was like, well, I don't know. I want to help people, and I always kind of remembered that that car accident. So maybe I'll be a firefighter or a police officer. And um, also, their lifestyle really appealed to me too, which I think is is still relevant today. That they got these like blocks of time to go and you know do whatever they wanted in life and go work out together and you know make meals together. So there's a sense of camaraderie as well. And so that appealed to me for a lot of a lot of reasons. And I discovered that I have this red-green color deficiency with my with my vision. So some of the tests that they use in order to become a police officer, firefighter, pilot, um paramedic as well, I believe, is you have to, you know, take this test. And um I thought, oh man man, man, maybe I'll do all this training to become a police officer or firefighter, and then I won't even be able to do it. So I remember the moment I was sitting in, in my parents' basement, and my one friend, we, he was messaging me online, and he said, well, you're really great with people. Why don't you just go into business? And at the time, he was going to study accounting. He's like, hey, you could do something like marketing or you know something creative like that, and then maybe we can join forces after university. So um, I was like, yeah, that, that, that sounds interesting. sounds like widely uh, applicable to have a business degree. So I went, signed up and uh started going to, to business school same university as my friend and i think about 7 or 8 months later he dropped out <laughs> so he uh he led me to the business world and then and dropped me off and um he start actually just went and started his own business right away so as i start going through business school i'm doing all these different jobs to see what i like i did landscaping at first i was you know i worked in a uh, a kitchen as a you know a busboy then as I started to get older, I got a, a gig with um, a marketing company that worked with research in motion. So I started to do some marketing work. Then I worked for CIBC for a little bit, explored the banking world, got out of there very quickly. Um, and I also worked at a bunch of um, like high-end winery restaurants. And so hospitality is where I made the most money and had the most fun. And so that's where I spent a lot of my time working my way up in that space. Um, learning about food and wine, but I realized in 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 that is is how I learned to relate to people and how to sell and how to tell stories um, and how to you know do customer service what you know whatever that is just be great with people and I, and I really owe a lot of that to the hospitality industry and so as I was going through my business degree, you could concentrate so I decided to concentrate on entrepreneurship and I started to take Classes that were focused towards that, and I felt excited, but it still didn't feel very clear to me of how to actually start a business. So as I came to the end of my degree, I was offered this great job in in Toronto, with a manufacturing company. And it was a great job because I had a pretty cushy salary, you know, full benefits, company car, phone, and um, so then I was off. I had I had a job right at a school, and. It, it was an interesting environment to come into after university, where we're talking about uh, you know the latest advances in, in tech and you know raising capital. and And I went to work for this manufacturing firm, which was actually a private company, and they were still faxing orders. It was very old school, and so even they were impressed that I could make some spreadsheets of our customers and um, <laughs> like who I was going to target and who I wasn't. So I started off as a sales guy there and then I became the sales manager, and I really um, was attracted to marketing throughout my, my business degree, and they didn't do any marketing whatsoever. So I started to introduce them to the idea of branding and you know, putting yourself out there to attract more clients. So we started a marketing department, um, which fell under me, and then eventually customer service had no one to report to, so they put customer service underneath me. So here I was, young guy, just out of university one or two years after university, and had three departments underneath me. Um, I was the youngest person in the company. Everyone that was reporting to me was you know thirty five to fifty five and I was flying around North America visiting customers and um, closing deals and it really was you know, a beautiful learning experience and and I'm so grateful for it because it showed me very quickly that the thing that um, society told me to go get was not the thing that made me happy, which was a like safe, comfortable job with a lot of benefits, with room to grow the owner of this company he didn't have a um a succession plan or a son, so he wanted me to move into a vP role pretty quickly so he could start stepping out um, so he's willing to hand me the keys to this this company. he was asking me you know what type of Porsche I would buy when i you know got my my next raise and it's all these like beautiful, shiny things. And I would go home at night or on the weekends and, um, realized I was actually kind of depressed and, uh, I would, um, numb those pains sometimes with, you know, go with my friends and, and drink, you know, too much alcohol, still kind of living that university party life. um, Maybe, you know, not eating the right foods, a lot of sales meetings with like pints of beer and big baskets of fries. And, and then I started to kind of look down the road of, hey, what's my life going to look like if I continue in this space? Because this guy's going to be really counting on me. He's going to try and build the business around me. Um, and that kind of scared me. This is my, maybe my first glimpse at commitment issues which I think every good entrepreneur has in some capacity. Um, (laughs) And around the same time, I was procrastinating in my office um, because I wasn't really lit up by the work. And I came across this article by an entrepreneur talking about the value of your time. And this entrepreneur ended up being Tim Ferriss and really resonated with his blog post. So I went and I bought his book, and I started to listen to his podcast. So everywhere I went, I was traveling around, started to consume his podcast. And at the time, he was very entrepreneurial focused, pretty much just interviewing entrepreneurs and reverse engineering how they live their lives. And um, something was starting to spark in me and move in me. And I finished the four-hour work week. And it talks a lot about you know, how do you want to live your life? Like if, if you optimize your business to only work four hours a week, what are you going to do with the rest of the time? So I started to dream. I started to think, but where do I want to travel? What do I want to do? And went and I handed in my resignation letter and headed to India for a couple months. Um, so that was the first big U-turn of my career, I would say. And um, the main reason that I wanted to do that was to go have a very different exotic experience while giving back in some capacity. So I went to go volunteer at a small school there. So I'll take a brief brief pause here to see if there's anything that you want to interject with but that's kind of yeah what led me to my first big shift
1: yeah so that is such a cool story and journey to hear um the it brings up a lot of questions and uh you know part of me just wants to let you keep going because i mean this is so interesting i'm like what happens next (laughs) uh (laughs) uh, but then the, the question i have is. So when you were in um, career, like, you know, you talked about the fact that the material things themselves didn't make life fulfilling in the sense that, you know, you were literally at a position where you could have a Porsche, you could have all these things that, you know, are material um, accomplishments. They're, they're sort of trophies that we can drive around in, but those themselves don't make life meaningful. And so then as soon as you leave, the thing that you do is to go and serve and um so i'm curious was it the purpose and the mission of the organization that you didn't feel was a, like a perfect alignment or was it the core values or was it something else
0: yeah at, at the time what called me the most to make that shift was it was two part one on the personal side um if people are familiar with the term ego, I felt like I was really living through my ego. Ego boss suits, most expensive car that I could get. Um, yeah, and, and just a lifestyle that I was living, you know, it wasn't great. I wasn't in a committed relationship. I was consuming too much alcohol. And, and so I, I kind of caught a glimpse of uh, myself in, in a way that I didn't love. And what I was instantly drawn to was service from that, which felt like the opposite. Let me, go, let me go give back. Let me go be in a place uh, which doesn't have these things. And, um, yeah, and it was just kind of synchronistically guided to India. I was looking for different opportunities. Where could I go serve? Where can I go give back? And it was a random thread on Reddit, actually, that I found. And this guy, from his name is Tom. He was from England. He's like, hey, I'm living in this small village in India. I'm trying to fix the water system here. This isn't my, can anyone help me with this? I started to talk to him, and he was one of the volunteer teachers. And I found out the main principal um, individual that started that project there, she was Canadian. So then I was off to the races there. So that was one aspect of it on the personal side. On the business side, I, just, I had just come out of having this new business degree. And we were talking about the latest, greatest things. All the case studies that we were doing, we were talking about tech companies and um, you know, getting a glimpse into what might be happening in the world. In this company, it felt pretty old school. It was old school manufacturing. Uh, it was definitely a profitable business. It was a, a large business uh, and it was growing. I think we were doing 25 or $30 million uh, annually at the time and so that piece felt exciting but and I learned quite a bit about manufacturing which was intriguing to, to a piece of me but mostly it, was this, it felt like kind of like an old school energy and talk about vision or purpose uh, they they produced fire rated steel doors and frames, which um, are fantastic and needed in the world for hospitals, universities, arenas, things like that. but yeah there was it was lacking in excitement, so those were kind of the two main drivers.
1: Yeah, no, I see that and so then you go to India mm-hmm. and what what happened in India?
0: So I go to India. And um, I had never traveled by myself before. I'd never been outside of North America before. So I land in in Delhi, and I've got my my massive bag, and this is my first big trip on my own. So I think it really <clears throat> it was a metamorphosis of you know coming into my own as as a real a real adult in this in this giant world. And so um, I traveled into the north, which is where the school was. So from Delhi, I took a flight to Dharadun, and then from Dharadun, I took a, a series of uh, buses and. Jeeps up into the mountains. And it was um near a place called monsuri which uh they call the the Queen Gem of the foothills or something like that. And this is where the British actually used to go on vacation in the summer. Um and so yeah, a lot of interesting history there. And I went past that further into the mountains, so now I'm right in the foothills of the Himalayans, a small little village there. It was named Sanji, and I think there's ninety to a hundred people that live there. And um that's where I lived for for two months. And that could be a whole story in itself involving making alliances with giant spiders, um, learning firsthand of, you know, where the Jungle Book was actually filmed. So I'm like, oh, yeah, there's bears here. There's tigers here. There's jaguars here. There's giant snakes here. Like, holy. I had, I'd never been exposed to that before. So that was a, um, yeah, a beautiful paradigm shift. But the, the most important thing that happened there was the people that I lived with. They were so happy and they were so generous that instantly I, I felt that like, oh, the way we do things in in North America is a way of doing things. It's not the way. We definitely don't have everything figured out because some of these people don't even have doors and they are offering me literally anything that they have. They're just so happy and they're so generous, making me food, even, you know, this, um, one of the girls invited me to, one of the students invited me to her family house. It was like, you know, a great honor if the teacher would come visit the family house. So the principal said, oh, yeah, you should do it. So I went and I trekked to their little home. And it was really this, this shanty, shanty home, literally with like monkeys nearby, um, constantly giving them trouble with their roof. And I went there and they wouldn't let me help with dinner at all. So I just you know, sat with the kids and we had a great time. Beautiful meal, like so delicious. And then I went back and in this area of India, it was mostly vegetarian uh, for religious reasons. And I went back to the principal. And I said, Oh, that was such a great dinner. She's like, Oh yeah. What did they make you? I said this and this and this. And they made this like chicken sort of dish. And she was like blown away. saying like that That family definitely normally doesn't eat chicken. And in order for that father to get the chicken he had to go to a market that was probably two hours away and that chicken would have cost about two or three weeks of his salary wow and they did they did that just for me they thought like well you're from the western world you know you like meat like i i can't believe that they did that for me so something was happening there my heart was opening in a in a different way um yeah i really fell in love with those kids and so when i came back. I had this, this, this new feeling of I want to do something purposeful that means something in this world. And at the same token, I want to create enough time and space in my life to go travel and have those experiences. So came back, and I thought, well, and it's interesting because I think there's lots of tests in life. And I came back right away, and I was offered this other sales job with this young team of people. More progressive. I was like, oh, okay, like maybe I don't know. Maybe I was just working at the wrong place. Let me give it a try. One month at that that uh, that other position, and I knew pretty quickly. Okay, like yeah, like I, I need to do my own thing. So I go and um, I'm in like curious entrepreneur mode, and I'm like, okay, what 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 type of business can I start and this time of year? I think it was like late fall maybe I'll start a business like wrapping people's presents and uh, it's like a gift wrapping service. And so I started something for that, do a couple customers. and I was like this, I, I hate wrapping presents. This is, there's a demand there, but this doesn't make sense at all. And so I'm researching, I'm researching and I, and I find this thing called copywriting and I grew up loving to write, uh, reading a lot of fiction, writing creative stories, um I almost went and did a creative writing degree uh, instead of a business degree and so I was like oh like yeah I I learned some stuff about business I can combine that with my love of writing so I started started car- copywriting and um I remember taking on my first job that I got I got paid 5 dollars on this online job board and I wrote a blog post for this fishing service down in Florida and I was so happy that someone paid me money to write cuz I had wrote Thousands and thousands and thousands of pages throughout high school and university, no one paid me anything for that, and I just wrote this little blurb and someone paid me five dollars. So my next client I got I charged ten dollars. The next one after that I charged twenty. The next one after that I charged forty. and pretty soon I had this you know solid base of of copywriting clients, and that afforded me the time and space to be able to go and travel again. So I went and I did um, Southeast Asia, Bali, Thailand. Um, from there, I went to go spend some time in Australia, lived for a couple months there. Um, all the while trying to figure out this this copywriting thing, um, pretty much kind of breaking even on my travels. Um, came back to Canada for a little bit and um, was living the, the Canadian life. I was like, okay, this isn't quite it. I wanted to go traveling again, so I went and go spent some time in Europe. And now this time in Europe, I, I landed a new client who was out in Kelowna. And there was a, it was a marketing agency and they were sending me quite a few projects. And the HR person at the time said, Hey, if you ever would think about moving out to Kelowna, we'd love to have you here. And um, I was like thinking about that. And I grew up in Ontario, just for context. And and BC seemed like the Wild West to me. It's like beautiful mountains. And, and, and I grew up in the outdoors. Um, so that got me thinking and. One, I was in France and Ireland. I started to do work for them, came back to Canada. And um, around the same time, I started to really get into personal development, too. Um, going to Tony Robbins events, uh, learning about NLP, and um, the whole time I've just been listening to every podcast I get my hands on. And so all of this started to come together, and um, they put together a role for me, which combined, you know copywriting, business strategy, um, and a little bit of uh, this personal development, so I moved out uh, west to Kelowna. Um, I didn't even know where Kelowna was really, which is kind of funny. And I, like, I honestly looked at like a picture or two, and just, pff, just drove out from Ontario, um, which led me more into the agency space. So there, I really started to dive into branding and to websites, to SEO, um, and Campaign creation, real you know uh, marketing strategy, which has uh, really caught my eye, and um, it didn't take too long to remember why I, I like to be an entrepreneur, and um, that led me from from that business into starting my own agency with uh, two friends, um, the one that you met, uh, Dan Harrison. Uh, we got together and had an office downtown he- in Kelowna. Um, had a couple of employees, and really just like spent a lot of time having fun. So I felt kind of serious up until that point, and then all of a sudden, I started to like really have fun in business. It was the first time, and we were selling some big jobs um, and, and fulfilling on that work by talking about profitability. Um, it was very, very minimal and Our overhead expenses just didn't kind of make sense. We had all this equipment that that didn't really make sense. And although we had a lot of fun, um, we we quickly realized that this was not the business that we wanted. It didn't have enough room for uh, a high profit margin or um, to live the life that we wanted. And so once again, that was dismantled. And we all kind of went on our own paths. And this is at the time where Dean and I were still doing some work together. But I, I launched my first um, uh, personal development coaching program, and in that process, I made more money in one month than I'd ever made in my whole life, even at my you know cushy corporate job and that that does something to you where now all of a sudden your standards of what's possible are completely shifted and changed, and you become a different person overnight, um, which I'm so grateful for and that Led me into um, a different model of business, which you can talk about later, if you'd like, where all of a sudden the profitability was was way higher. I was putting in you know, minimal hours of my time for this for this beautiful upside, and getting to do what I loved and helping people that were helping other people. so that's that's where things really started to shift. And one thing that I should mention too, in the background, um, for quite some time, I was writing people's business plans and doing a bit of consulting alongside of that. So the business plans and the consulting writing and the business experience started to combine with the personal development and some of these spiritual experiences or forays that I was going into, and that all combined together to have my own own practice. So that takes us up pretty much to the next big pivot, Um, and there's one more kind of main big chapter after this, but I'll take another pause here, see if you have any any thoughts
1: <laughs> you 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 touch on so many different things the uh comment you made about cultures uh you know like this is this is one way to um live life but I mean, it's not the way i think that's that's very like um profound and this is actually one of the reasons i like podcasts as well is because you know i listen to a lot of po- podcasts too and it's nice to be able to sit and listen to someone's perspective and realize there's a way of thinking about something that's different than my way that opens me to, to seeing something different. And I, and I think the same thing around perspectives with with how we have culture. Um, as a kid, you know, being born in Africa, there's many cultures. Um, you know, I'm from what they call the Rainbow Nation, right? Because there's so many different cultures. You have the the Zulu culture, The um, you know, you got the... Uh, You got the Afrikaners, the English. The um, uh, you have the you have like literally got I don't know how many I think let's say fifteen different kind of cultures within one place. And um, I remember meeting a guy uh, as a kid, and he could speak fifteen languages. But each of those cultures are very very proud like the the Zulu culture is very 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 proud they're proud of who they are they're, they they were they are warriors that's literally how they they were conquerors they were conquering parts of Africa and um it was the wars like if you go back to the 1800s it was between this conquering nation the Zulu's meeting the conquering nation the British and um and that's what like a lot of these these places were um being being fought against and so and then you have very different cultures there as well you have you have much more peaceful cultures you got the um you know if you seen the the movie the gods must be crazy where the the bushmen and and they find this bottle and it falls from the sky and they they get rid of the bottle because it's creating jealousy in the in the in the community you have very very peaceful cultures there and um every culture is so different and so um and so you get to see this is the values of this culture, this is the values of the, the different culture. Like one culture might really value um, community and bringing things together. Another might be more of an individualistic culture. Uh, some cultures value, um, you know, everything in Africa is on Africa time, right? Like if yeah. you go to Germany and Europe, everything's on, on, on time. <laughs> 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 it, you know, efficiency is, is, is probably one of their highest core values as a nation. Uh, in Africa, efficiency—I don't think—is even on the values chart. <laughs> right? It's—it's <laughs> it's just different. It's a different culture, and so you—you—you um, you, you go and you travel these different places, and then you know, moving to Canada and seeing again a totally different culture, and then you know, in Saskatchewan, I'd say the culture is quite a lot different than it is in BC, and in British Columbia, everyone's very healthy. They're very health conscious. They uh, tend to be, um, you know, kind of more like like focused on on aspirational uh grow like goals and and maybe where they're going in uh Saskatchewan they're very welcoming and you know a lot of potlucks a lot of like community dinners a lot of community events um there was the harvest festival there was uh when when you go to harvest you know even myself as a kid I remember running r- behind the harvesters and helping out as best as I could. Every kid, didn't matter who you were, you would be lifting hay bales and helping out. And uh, and and we were part of the town, you know, it was a huge town. I think we had less than a thousand people in it, but still it was like we were the townsfolk and we were helping out in the farms. And so I think that there is something really um, like good about being able to see different cultures. And for myself, having grown up always around different cultures, I think that's something I've always known is that I'm, I'm like, okay, that is a way, but it's not necessarily the way. And, you know, and part of that, I, I don't know if it's be- maybe it's because of that background, but I, I find myself um, questioning everything. Like whenever I see something that gets pushed towards, um, you know, myself or anybody as, as being like mandated as, as a, as like the, you know, this is the, you know, the, solution or the whatever i'm always thinking i'm like what well, is it is it really like is there not another way could could there be a different you know a perspective or approach that might benefit people in a in a better outcome and yeah so i think that's like a really really cool thing that you experienced that you know and you obviously are still experiencing that you've traveled everywhere uh you i think you've traveled a lot more than i have and it's um yeah so that that's a really cool like thing to touch on and it was one of the Talk about that too, and then going from there, you know, you 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 then found yourself. It's funny how like one door will open another door, which will open another door, and um, you know, it sounds like you said use the word like temptation. Like you were immediately being tempted back in what was more of like a, a traditional corporate um like journey. I think that's what you were kind of implying, and uh, and and I've. I've always seen like the way I look at a life, I'm like, I'm like, there are doors. And um, and, I'm, and I'm always like, usually when one door opens, there's going to be two other doors that open at the, almost the same time, like within months of each other. And so it's like, you know, a question a person might have is, should I go to university? All of a sudden they're being, they're being proposed, like they ha- the, a university door opens, but so does a volunteering door. And so does maybe like starting your own business door. And they all start at the same time. And we, and so we're constantly given these moments in time where we have these doors that are open and I kind of have this very relaxed approach to it because I'm thinking, I'm like, pick the one that aligns most to your desires and your core values. If it's the wrong door, the door will close. Like, like don't like, I'm not so worried about like picking the wrong one. I'm, I'm thinking more, pick the one that most aligns to where you naturally fit. And then, uh, and don't worry about it because I've I've sort of encountered that a lot in my life where um you know if if the door closes I know immediately I'm like some people are very much like they're going to bang that door down they're going to break it down they're going to push it open they're going to make it happen no matter what right um but I'm like yeah but maybe there's actually a better door that's open right now if we just turn around and see what what other like cuz there's always another door um I think that's really interesting too so I'd love to dive more into that like what was when you said like the temptations. Oh, I'm sorry as well for the background noise. They're paving our road this morning. <laughs> I, don't, I just... couldn't
0: really hear it, so.
1: Okay, good. Okay, that's yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, so, so yeah, maybe dive into that. Like, so what was it about that journey that for you was a temptation that you thought, okay, I don't want to go down there?
0: Yeah, um, so I, I, I have a similar perspective to you. <clears throat> that I feel like I'm being guided through life, right? That that there is a way, that there is a way that um, is the highest expression uh, for my soul. Something like that. And that direction, you can feel it. You can sense it. Uh, you could call that being intuitively guided towards something. Um, some people say, like, you know, God's leaving a, a trail of, of breadcrumbs for me to follow, different signs, different synchronicities however you want to call it, that's, that's really how I see life and um, how my wife and I live our life as well. Like we're, we're open to being guided where we need to go. And there's sometimes where there's a, you have a felt sense of, okay, this, this is the right direction to go, but then there's another direction that appeals to the logical mind, right? So I, I'm really guided by my heart, but sometimes I notice there's a conflict between my heart and my mind. And the mind can really give me a compelling reason or argument why I should open the other door. Safety, security, um, different connections, new opportunities. And and that can start to make sense really quickly, right? Especially when you confer with some other people that will typically give you a logical response, right? And And, and now you're... You're building an argument or a case for why you should go down that door. And what I invite myself to do and other people to do is to tune in for a moment, to self-reflect, to get present to your body, to get present to your connection to source God, whatever you'd like to call it. And and that spot and that connection, that sense, that feeling, it'll never lead you astray if you can get present to it. There's a a really great book uh, that you might have read or some of the listeners might have read, called The Alchemist. And it talks about this little whisper of the heart. And sometimes that whisper of the heart leads you to somewhere that doesn't logically make sense at first. Like, why the heck am I here at this, I don't know, um, dog toy convention? Like, this makes no sense that I'm here. And then all of a sudden, the person that you meet becomes your next business partner. Like, oh, okay, like I understand the mystery in this now. And that's where you start to develop real faith. Right. And, and trust and where you're being guided. And um, for me, that that's been the dance and the temptation has been the mind has been like, ooh this makes sense. Um, there's the the classic example of in the cartoons, you have the little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Um, I don't think that the, the other path is necessarily the path of the devil per se, but it's just the less aligned path or perhaps the harder path versus the path that you're being called to, which is you know, for your highest good, things tend to happen there and they, they flow and they click. Um, maybe that's you know, being in a flow state is when you're present to the the direction that life is calling you to. And um I'm, I'm I've been learning that skill the hard way, um, throughout my life in, in a couple of those different decisions and sometimes I've uh created and acted more from my mind instead from my heart. And my heart usually never leads me in the wrong direction. So that's um in and today, in the present moment, that's where I I build my business from in my life. From
1: yeah, I like that. That's that's great. The um, I like how you described it as that that sort of like w- that w- whisper of you know that thought. And I, I think that there's a lot of um, there's some studies that are really interesting ones when it comes to intuition. I remember reading a study specifically talking about some different examples where um the there was this one f1 driver who was turning a corner and before they even like had turned the corner they hit their brakes and there was no logical reason for them to hit their brakes because an f1 driver is you know other than to you know hit the apex of the corner they are driving as quickly as possible and they come around the side, and there was a crash right in front of them. And so, if they hadn't hit their brakes, they would have hit the vehicles. And um, and the point of that was there was there was a subconscious intuition there that was compelling. And so, of course, um, the the research was going into the brain's ability to like we have a like we have a true subconscious. brain part of our brain which we if it's truly subconscious we have no awareness of like zero awareness you can't have awareness of a subconscious part of your brain and so there's there's a part of our brain that um that's able to gather information and interpret things just at a much more efficient rate than we can consciously interpret that information and um and so maybe there were like fragments of things that it that the brain was picking up that that was saying to the brain "This something's off. But it couldn't logically know that based on the information it had gathered, yet the subconscious of the brain was able to do that. And so that was uh, trying to come up with more of a scientific explanation to what had happened as far as the event. And then they kind of dive into understanding the, you know, from, from like a neurological perspective of, um, of things. And, but I, I find that stuff really, really interesting, especially when you go into um, that, because My own life, the whisper is is what I try to tune into every day, like every day, um, even this morning. I'm waking up or even before I woke up, I was up um, this morning and night and I just like I try to get quiet and listen. And I try to think um, even even just like preparing for for today's like this podcast. I'm like, you know. What kind of space um, should this be? You know, what, what What should the tone be? What should be some of the questions? And um, and I try to listen just to hear or, or to get a sense of what, what's the direction. And um, I, I try to do that for almost everything. And um, so I totally get that. I, I, I get that. And then there are moments, though, where you do listen to it and you go and you do something and you wonder, like, what's the point? I remember as a kid, um, having this like compulsion, like no, for no reason I had, um, I had saved up my money and I had bought this, um, uh, ghetto blaster. Like it was, it was, you know, it was like a proper record player. Like, like, you know, it was like multi-disc player, had really good sound, really good. Um, it was just sweet. I just remember being so, so proud of this thing. And I just had this compulsion that I was to give it to this, um, this family that our family knew. And, um, I didn't know why I just knew in my heart, I was supposed to give, give this thing. So I did and immediately regretted it because in my mind I had saved up for this thing. And I was like, well, I'll save up for it again. Well, guess what happened? I never did save up for it again, because by the time I had saved up enough money, I wanted something different. You know, I was getting a skateboard or, or whatever it was. And, um, and so then, um, I just you, you sort of like wonder for years like what was the point? Like why did I do that? Like, you know, and um I think that's the temptation side of the brain is the brain is looking for like reason, it's looking for logic, it's looking for uh, an explanation, right? Mm-hmm. And um instead of just being like, Oh no, I I I I felt it, I did it, you know, that that's that's it. That is the point. And um, and then years later. Not to contradict what I just said, but just it was kind of neat. I was listening to CBC radio. So CBC, for anyone listening outside of Canada, is our national radio. And uh, there was a guy who had won a um, uh, basically like song of the year or, or something. And he'd written, he'd written a bunch of songs and he'd won this competition. and He was being interviewed on CBC. Well, that person was the person that I gave the CD player to. And I didn't know this because we now wow. live very far away from each other. And, um, and he was explaining that it was through that CD player that he learned to play the guitar. And, um, and so it's not to say that was, like, the reason. Very, very rarely do you ever hear the full story, right? But um, it was more of, like, a um, – om- in many ways, I'm like, I wish I never knew that, you know, because the mystery itself is, is the muscle-building part of it. Like, will I choose to do it again, not getting any sense of satisfaction from it, if anything, regretting it, you know, can I, can I grow so I choose to not regret it the next time? And, um, and so, yeah, that, that part I I can totally align with, like, as you're describing it and explaining it. Um, yeah, so then, uh, so now you're, uh, so, so like fast forward for a second. Yes. And, uh, you you said something really interesting, which is that you host your first event and it changed something inside of you. What was it that changed? Cause my brain immediately was wondering, I was like, was it that you got a big reward? And, and And that reward became kind of like, you know, you put a video out on YouTube and you get like a ton of views and you're like, oh, there's something here. Was it that, or was it more that it was that you realized you were playing too small? Not necessarily that you were playing small ever, But but do you know what I mean? Like you're like, maybe there's more of an opportunity to 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 life and resources and abundance than I realized.
0: Yeah, I think an important part of the story, too, in this entrepreneurial journey where I'm going from having my own ventures and clients to having some different positions and jobs is, um, you know, one of the main lessons I was learning is is about finances and and about being a solo entrepreneur and trying to figure that out. And at the time, when a couple of my friends and I had that agency, um, I kind of put everything that I had into it. And we, as I was mentioned, uh, we didn't build a very profitable business uh, with the model that we used. And so why this was such a paradigm shift for me was on the business side, I was exposed to a new model, which was to create a high ticket offering of some kind, a high value offer, um, which required a lot less of my time. And there was like this beautiful margin that was available. And it seemed to get better results than anything that I had done before results for the client. And, and so I think that was part of the paradigm shift where I, I saw a new model, uh, and I, I saw the results. And something clicked in me to say that, oh, I never have to do it the old way again. And that's, that's one thing that I invite a lot of People that I work with into is this idea of going from an hourly hourly rate of subcapacity to a value based rate where you create a transformation and you charge for that, um, and and so on that financial journey, I was you know kind of pinching pennies so to speak, and then all of a sudden in that month my first launch I think I did about you know eighteen or twenty thousand dollars um, where my only expense was my Zoom account, and that was like, oh, okay, there's And there's a different way, kind of like going to India. Like, oh, okay, there's a whole different way that you can live and value things. And, oh, there's a, there's a whole different way I can do this, this business thing, this consulting thing, helping people thing. Um, and, and that's kind of been the through line, even going back to considering being a firefighter or a police officer is helping people while still having extra time and space to, to be me, to live life. So I think that was that was the big shift there where I felt a, a sense of safety or security come over me because if I could do 18 or 20,000 at that point, well, I'm only going to grow and, and and learn more and get smarter and meet more people. So all of a sudden I felt like I had the ability to really truly take care of myself as an entrepreneur.
1: Okay, that's pretty cool. So... Um, that transformational experience that you're, so <clears throat> there's obviously a thread here, which, you know, you're talking about a few times. So like you, as a, as a young person, as a kid, you, you want to help people. You see something where you're like, I want to help, um, later on you're in business. Um, but the reason you really got into business is because you, you got excited by the fact that you could collaborate with the others and maybe help them. Now you're, um, you go to India you're looking for a place to serve, um, fast forward to where you are right now, and you're in a transformational um creation space. So you're you're helping to create that transformation. How do you do that? What what does the transformation look like for somebody so they can go through um like a big pivot?
0: Mm. It's it's interesting because um I have a a mentor that lives locally here in Kelowna, kind of more on the spiritual side of things, and he would call this. Like a, an ability to shape shift from one version of yourself to another. Some people might say an identity shift. That's a lot of the Tony Robbins work that he does. Um, some people would say maybe there's, there's an ego death that occurs. And there's, there's more of your, your full self that can come forward. I think what's required is the ability to let go of the past. And let go of any expectations that were, were created from, from society, from, from other people, to, to really have the courage to open your hands and to let go. Or maybe this is like a Jesus-take-the-wheel moment. But in that letting go of, and, and, and I suppose what I'm alluding to here too, is like there's an element of faith of it, of letting go and charting a complete new direction And there's some practical exercises that you can do on the identity level to shift that. And where I would start, if I was recommending this to someone, I would outline who you've been before, right? What have you valued? What beliefs have you held? What beliefs might have limited you? What have been your habits, right? Because that's kind of how our our subconscious mind comes to life through our physical habits in the world. Um, What roles have I given myself? What titles, right? Someone might say like, oh, I'm the best employee ever i was like, "Oh, I actually want to be the best entrepreneur ever." That's going to require some sort of shift, right? And once you've get clear of who you've been, then you can do the same exercise and say, "Okay, well, who do I want to be?" Right? "What do I want to value now?" And in what order? "What what do I want to believe now? What new habits am I going to integrate into my life and what ones am I going to let fall away?" And yeah, how am I going to present myself to the world now? When I look in the mirror, what What roles or titles am I going to hear? And I think transformation always happens in the present moment. So once you get that future vision, you got to bring it back into the here and now. So I'm going to be that person now. And um, that can be successfully orchestrated through a change in in how you communicate to the world, saying, okay, I used to be a consultant. Now I'm a coach. Just one word. It's like, oh, this is kind of a new identity. This is a new me. Um, this could also be orchestrated by a change of physical location. So someone moves to a new city or a new country and they get to reinvent themselves. Uh, this can be done by changing of industries or something, but it's usually an internal shift paired with some sort of external shift, which is enough to show your conscious and subconscious mind. Hey, I'm being a new person and I'm committed to being this new person. And if you're able to do that for a month or two or three, most of those changes usually stick. And now you're a different version of yourself.
1: so that that makes a lot of sense. so you're 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 starting with a almost like a reflective moment where you're saying, okay, what are what are some of my beliefs, expectations, you know, external and internal that um, I've allowed to set the course of my life, not because they are necessarily saying this is the compass." but rather they're creating fences. And so maybe there's an opportunity in front of me, but I'm saying, oh, I, I could never go there because of this fence. So and in, in, n- I'm not saying this is, was the case for you, but, um, but hypothetically, maybe it's like, I couldn't sell a high ticket item based on value because I grew up and I was taught for a long time that um, the only value created is the amount of work you put in. And so it's like, I have this core belief which is um, a limiting belief. And so then I'm now operating on that limiting belief in my life, not consciously, um, but it's there. And I'm making these decisions um, with this belief, or maybe I've had trauma in my life, which is probably like for, you know, every human has had some trauma <laughs> at some point in life. And um, the, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's an area in my life where I have a mental, um, blockage or a mental a part of my brain because of the pain the brain won't allow me to go there mentally and yet it might be part of my gifting as a person maybe i'm i'm very relational maybe i'm naturally a good um communicator but i but i but i won't step out and communicate to that person because i'm afraid because it's part of my brain that's preventing me from actually doing that gifting um or uh, it could be other things too i suppose but so what you're saying is you're you're starting with a reflective like like let's first identify some of these things, um, and, uh, and then now step forward for a second and be like, are these beneficial? Are they helping me? And then okay, what what could be some outcomes that I could have in my life, or like what could a future look like if these didn't exist? If these these weren't in my my paradigm? And so, um, it's like, can you imagine yourself doing this? Yeah, can you imagine yourself doing that? Can you? Ma- how would that feel and then working backwards to the present okay let's not pull the future to this moment let's shift so like actually focus on that's that's actually closer to who i am than anything else because all that other stuff was either external or internal um beliefs that weren't actually subs like weren't based on truth they were based on either an experience or a trust of of um authority and um and and so now let's get an alignment that's actually based on kind of more of who I am. Is that am I hearing that right?
0: Yep. Yeah, it's a, a readjusting of the trajectory or the path based off of um you know, before our our, our compasses are set by our, our caregivers and our teachers and, and and they do their best to set our compass. And, and and you have these different moments in your life where your heart is whispering something different. You're like, Yeah, but like I'm going this way your heart's like, well, maybe that way. And then you're like, well, if I went that way, who would I be? I would be a different person. And in that process, um, which can be messy for a lot of people, that's it's, it's usually prompted by some sort of pain or friction, right? And, and the pain or friction allows you to get present to the pattern that you're currently in and you extrapolate that pattern and you see where you could be going, um, which I think is kind of like. That's how a lot of people created prophecy in the past um, in the indigenous world, is they would look at natural occurring patterns, and they were very good at that pattern recognition, and they knew likely where that was going. And we can do that too, but a lot of us are hyper-focused on the here and now, and we're not that great at at visualizing at extrapolating five years, 10 years, 30 years. Um, but if you get present to a pattern that's not aligned with your heart, then you can go through the process of saying, okay, I got to track a new path. Um, I know if I do this habit every day instead of that habit every day, it takes me to a completely different world and I become a completely different person. Um, I love that golf ball analogy, if you've ever heard it, um, where you go to the driving range and you come down and hit the ball squarely. You hit it perfectly and it goes straight and it flies off. You go and you take your next swing and the club face comes down two degrees to the right. And, And that club face hits the ball and the ball doesn't go just a little bit to the right. It goes way to the right because as it gets farther away from you, that, that two degrees takes that ball maybe, I don't know, um, 200 yards to the right. And so this small little change at the point of impact in the present moment in our every day um, has a really big effect in the long term if we can get present to possibly where that pattern is going to.
1: I think that's that's a great analogy. I, I could definitely visualize that. I I have a, a funny slice sometimes. The uh <laughs> the uh I I sat down with um this is I got married a long time ago. I got married uh 16 years ago, and um my wife and I we did premarital counseling. And uh in our premarital counseling, which I recommend to anybody by the way, like getting like doing counseling early on in marriage, such a good thing set us off really really it was so helpful so um and, and not like we had really like any big issues I remember a friend asking me he's like because are you guys getting in conflict like I'm like no because if we had big issues we wouldn't be getting married um you know I it was the opposite is that you know I saw this person in my life I was like I, I want to be like building a life with this person um and let's get serious about this so we did premarital counseling and in it I remember the um counselor uh, who which was really cool because it was it was um two as um two counselors and they were a married couple and they they worked with us and it was cool because then sometimes they would split us apart and they would work on with us individually and sometimes to bring us together and we did this exercise where they had us write down a list it wasn't a long list but it was a list of things that we had seen in our life um that we had experienced maybe being like raised or or growing up that we loved, experiences that we loved, that we would wanna bring and incorporate into the future. Another list of experiences that we just wouldn't wanna repeat. So like, mm. what were things that we experienced that we wanted to do different? And then like literally after writing them out, like crossing them out with a pen. And then a new list of what our experiences or things that we wanted to have in our future that we didn't see before, but we'd love to incorporate it. And then take the two, the the, um, the list of things we wanted to bring in and the list we hadn't, um, we hadn't seen, combine that list and then combine it with our future spouses list. And now you have a list of things that this is what our our marriage is gonna look like. This is what our future raising kids is gonna look like. This is what our outcome, you know, and that simple, simple task had a profound impact on me. It was so easy and so obvious, um, that was really great. And then uh, oh, I was another thought I had as well when you were as you're going through this um but yeah so that that was that was definitely definitely very um it was a simple uh thing so now so you're 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 working with someone oh this was the question i had okay um gratitude i feel is um is the source of all happiness uh because too often, um, this is an observation I've made in, in humanity, is that people, they want happiness. And so they chase happiness. And in chasing happiness, they are the deep, most deeply unhappy individuals. Because there is no such thing as something that will create happiness. Um, like, yes, you know, I'm, I cycle, I love training, and I, and I do get that fitness high. You know, but it's, it's, it's a combination of dopamine. It's a combination of a lot of chemicals that are going in my body. Um, but it, that, that's, a, that's a reactive thing, right? Like maybe I hang out with a bunch of people and we go skiing and we all laughing and we're having a great time. Um, and, and I'm happy in the moment. But to be truly happy, like, like from my core, it starts with being grateful. And, um, and it's a practice, right? So, like, I remember when I um, was renting this house and I would mow the lawn and uh i just was i I remember just feeling so grateful i'm like i love this house i love this yard and i it was it was like a very humble home i think it was 600 square foot home um very it was downtown we had we had a shed in the back and i turned the shed into a shop and it was just like the coolest place and so i'd hang out there i'd be working on my motorcycle I had a motorcycle i bought to fix up and my friend and he'd come hang out with me and we'd be working on our stuff together and um, and we didn't have irrigation or anything, but because I loved that, that house, I just would like water the grass. I would fertilize the grass. I would seed it. Um, we had a vegetable garden in the back by the end of it. And my landlord comes to me and he says, I didn't think anything would grow here. And if we had like all these vegetables that were coming out of the garden, the grass was green. Um, th- he had, he's the, um, there was a small cellar that would get flooded every year. And so the very, one of the very first things we did was I just looked at the, the slope of the ground and I was like, well, all the dirt's sloping towards the house, so I just re-sloped the ground dirt away, not much, but like an inch and, um, 100% eliminated any flooding issues. I replaced the window to the cellar. I, uh, put in a small, um, uh, air conditioning unit for the place. And it was just like, at the end of this, this experience of being in this little house, um, it, it just had been, um, and I, the whole time I just felt so grateful. I just felt so grateful to be in this, this house. And I remember going to the bank one time and the bank teller, she said to me, she's, she was an older lady. She's like, oh, I know where you live. I know the address. You live in that cute little white house with the red door. And one of the things we'd done is we painted the door red, which is like actually funny because now I think about it because a red door symbolizes that you paid off your mortgage, but that's how I felt, you know, even though I was renting it. And, um, and so, um, and and i was like yeah that that's our our house and uh she and she's like i love that place and it it just had like over time became this like really you know, like a charming little little home but um so so back to the gratitude it's like if we choose to be grateful then everything around us changes so my question to you is when somebody comes to you because they're looking for a change how do you differentiate between a change that's required because they're that they're not working in towards their true path versus because they're just deeply unhappy, and that's actually because of a of um, an attitude misalignment, you know, a perspective change?
0: Yeah, I, I think they almost go hand in hand, but it's it pretty much the the lens that I see people through when they whether I'm talking to you or whether someone comes to me. And so I'll use you as the example, looking at Jonathan, I just have this belief that Jonathan's soul is here on purpose he's here and he's meant to be doing something um i I don't pretend to know what that is, and you know sometimes we can get um get close to a present moment definition if we can talk uh, back and forth and explore your life, but I believe that you're here on purpose and that there is a, a possible path for you that maybe would be your highest expression, right? And so if you came to me whether you were happy or sad or anything in between, that's where I would try to figure out first. Why do you think you're here in the present moment? And it could be something very simple. It's like, oh, just to bring smiles to people's faces. Like, wow, what a beautiful purpose. Right? And someone might be like, yeah, I'm here to change the healthcare industry. Like I, I know that's that's why I'm here. And Usually, if someone is not feeling great, there's a lack of clarity in that purpose. And I believe purpose can evolve and change over time, especially in the way that we would describe it through, uh, you know, the English language, because that's limited in comparison to the infinite beings that we are, right? But usually, when someone is not feeling that great or misaligned, or maybe they go in the wrong direction, it's a lack of clarity on what their purpose might be, and a lack of clarity on the vision of their life. Right. And so usually what I ask people is, like, OK, Jonathan, if you bring your purpose to life, what happens in the world as a result? What is the, the reaction moving forward for all of us? Right. And so that would be your kind of your vision of the world. Like, wow, what a beautiful vision. OK, then we bring that back to the present moment and saying, OK, how do we bring that vision to life? What are the tangible marching orders that you could tell me? You could tell yourself, maybe you build a team around you um, and that's your mission. Right. And so once we have clarity in those three areas, um, and once we've simplified it, removed any complexity, usually a lot of anxiety or depressive energy or anything like that really seems to dissipate because you've got your path, you've got alignment, and you feel it. Usually we we have to derive it from here, and if we're able to do that, usually the person has a, a smile on their face and some gratitude in their heart. Cause like, wow, like, yeah, like I, I can see why everything has happened in my life up until now, right? It all makes sense. Um, I, I see that there is a plan for me and I trust that there's a plan laid out moving forward. And, um, and I think that's a really beautiful way to live. So that's, that's usually the lens that I see entrepreneurs through, um, especially entrepreneurs. I think that uh, we all have some sort of purpose or you know, Simon Sinek, you know, start with why that 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 exists in all of us, and if you have connection to it and clarity on it, um, you typically wake up with a little, little smirk, a little excitement, um, and and you go to bed at night with this feeling of fulfillment or or some um, so, some happiness or some gratitude of, of of how the day unfolded. So that's where I would I would start with anyone in that space.
1: Okay, I, I think that's really cool. So you're very clear on what it is that you are asking individuals. So you're 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 saying I'm I'm open to what that is because I don't know this person yet. Um but but you're very clear on 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 what you're asking and how you're asking it so that you're essentially figuring out what what is the purpose that this person has. And um and then by having the clarity of purpose, that becomes a very motivating and fulfilling thing for somebody. Because now you have a clear path forward. You have a clear compass. You have a clear, um, the, yeah, I, I think that makes so much sense. I, I don't know, like, I'm sure you think this way too. I, I always think of it like, you know, as humans, we can't help but move towards the thing that we're we're looking at. Like, so if, if we have a clear vision, we can't help, but move towards it. And, um, and so, because, cause that's just the way we're wired. I, I don't, I, I feel like that's just the way as human, like, you know what I mean? Like we're like humans are, are naturally a, a, ingenious We're we're creative, we're problem solvers. And if, if somebody takes the time to invest in figuring out what their vision is, what their direction is in life. Um, or or not what the direction is, but what their vision is, then they'll have a direction. uh, If they have time to invest in doing some of the things that you're talking about where um, figure out maybe like what are some of the hindrances or the, the, you know, versus like what's my desired um, life look like, then you're going to do all of the stuff necessary to do that without having to work at it because you're just excited about it. So you wake up in the morning, they said, like, you got that vigor, you wake up, you go outside, you mow the lawn because you're making the lawn green because in your mind you see a house with a green lawn. And uh, and so you're, you know, and then 20 years goes by um, and, you know, all of a sudden it's done. I was just, I, so I was just speaking to a guy, Tom um, from Chicago on this podcast and um, his episode is not out yet, but if you, you're listening to this one, you'll listen you'll his was just before, but he said something really cool too. Um is that he's like all of like the things like a lot of people get into business because they have something that they're trying to achieve. Some some like quant, like um they want to drive that car. They wanna and then you had early on experience where you realize none of that stuff's important to you. Um he said something similar where he said, throw that all out, like throw out all that stuff, like the desire to um to get to something because it'll all happen but if you just if you if you're focused on that then it's kind of like when you're trying to save money and you're thinking like i want to save an x amount of money it feels like you'll never get there so you're like why bother you know um but so if you just get like if you don't worry about all that stuff and just instead focus on like just really enjoying the process you'll end up getting there i think that's um that's such a profound thing. Okay, so uh, two questions for you. But oh, you look like you're going to say something.
0: Yeah, just in in the example of uh, saving money, I think is good. It highlights how humans are um we're not good at at thinking and feeling and seeing exponential curves, um and and we're more linear thinkers. Um, even to the fact that that most people can't understand like compounding interest, right? Of how like oh man, I'm just putting away. every month. How's this going to get me anywhere? Right. And um, we've all seen the graph of like what compound interest does over time. Or there's a really cool example of would you have a million dollars or um, $1 at the beginning of the month that doubles every day for 30 days? Right. And if you do the math, the $1 that doubles into two, four, it actually equates to way more um, than a million dollars. So it's like our brains aren't really great at at thinking in that way because we've you know probably been designed to you know hunt and gather and and do things like that which we could see and and feel in the physical time and space but it's this exact same thing with a lot of this personal development or this growth is that if you show up every day and be the person right and if you invest that $200 every month if you show up and be the person and cut the grass and you know do the things that are working towards your vision your progress will be exponential, but it won't feel like it at first. It'll feel linear at first, right? And and if you just keep on that vision, there is a, a compounding effect that happens as well with your meditation practice, if you do it every day, or, you know, if you're working out every day. Um, and it, it's really empowering, I think, for some people to, to study how compound interest works with money, and then relate that to your efforts in your, in your business, or in your personal life, some things that's more like qualitative data points, or um, things that are hard to measure, it's it's also growing in that same capacity.
1: Yes. It's, it's, it's so hard to. Um, yes. It's like that's one of those things that if like when your brain gets it, it's locked in, like the yeah. compound factor, um, and it's such a shift. It shifts everything, because all of a sudden it's not like, you know, you develop a long term mindset just because you, you you recognize that that's just how that's just how things work. It's, you know, the first year you plant and. Uh, or maybe the first year you you work really hard, you toil the ground, you're 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 digging, you know, you're just, you're just trying to cultivate things. The next year you get like just just enough seed to to basically replicate the process, but you're not spending that time toiling on the ground as hard anymore. And you're able to water more or whatever it is and now you get a hundredfold on the seed that you just planted. The next year you you are able to sell some and then you take some of that back and you plant and you can do a bigger harvest. And then all of a sudden it's like you're looking back and and you know where you started and, and where you are, um, it doesn't even look possible. It doesn't even look like that could be the same like a linked journey, but the compound effect has happened. It's taken off. Um, so for you, looking back, what would you say, just from a reflective standpoint, like why have you been so successful, maybe even how you define success, but how why have you been- su- like what yeah.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think in there's a lot of lenses that you could apply to me and say that I haven't been successful or as successful as other people from a maybe a monetary standpoint um or a um an accolades st- standpoint, but I think early on reading that Tim Ferriss book and going to India, my definition of success changed and it became something like living a life that you love and that you can really enjoy in the present moment um, and one that lights you up with you know joy and and love and peace and at the same time has a ripple effect of um, positively impacting this world and other people so um that's been my north star of building a life that 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 i love or that excites me and gives me freedom and flexibility while at the same time um, having a positive impact on people that I interact with, and you know, by those standards, I'm very successful today, and I'm very grateful for that. And yeah, it's it's been it's been a beautiful journey because at the beginning, my success metrics were purely monetary, for sure, and and material, as as we mentioned, and. I I I saw the pattern of where that would lead me in my life, and that wasn't happiness and fulfillment. So I started to go down that route. And and what I would say to people is, when you're in the space of of living your passion, living your purpose, you're in your heart, and you're helping others, that um, you become a magnet for abundance in a lot of different areas, in relationships, yeah, in money, in wealth. And um, I think that's that's the true path to to abundance is is becoming this heart led magnet where you know God or the universe will give you all that you need in order to accomplish that purpose and it will come um in, in beautiful waves that that always meets and exceeds your needs. And um yeah I think that's that's for me that's where I'm at and I'm always open to that changing as well too. I'm always open to our purposes changing or our definition of success. But in the present moment that's what it is for me
1: that that's really cool i i that yeah that's a really good answer i, I think i'm going to ask the same question but a little different because i really like that and and um you know something i've observed with you is that whatever you go to accomplish you do and you do it really really well and um I, and i would love like i don't even know if um I would just love whoever's listening to like catch a tiny piece of that. You know what I mean? So that, if does that make sense? Like, it's like um, you have an excellence about you. And um, even, even that story way back in the day when you were going to university, your friend left to start a business, but you went and my guess is you were probably excellent at university. This was the thing that you were tackling at that time. And um, and then you left that and you got, a, you got a job. And it wasn't long before you were excellent in this new career. And you realized it wasn't aligned with your purpose or your direction or your calling. So you changed it. And then you were excellent in the next thing. And so um, why do you think that is? Where does that come from as well?
0: I have the ability to excel in things that I love. And um, I typically struggle in areas that I don't love or that are misaligned. So um, in university, I was excellent in business law, in um, all my entrepreneurial classes, all my marketing classes. Um, but I was not excellent um, as far as the grades were concerned in the finance class or the um, extra science Geography credit that I had to take, um, and so it's always been that way. Is if if I love something, then I can get present to it, and I can really bring my full self. And and if I don't love something, even if I logically want to, it doesn't flow. It doesn't really work out for me. I, I'll tend to get easily distracted or discouraged. Um, and you know that was hard to figure out at first, for sure. Of why can I. Get a 96 in business law and a 62 in finance. Like, I, how do I, like, I don't, how do I hold these two worlds of like, who am I? Am I a good student or a bad student? And, um, and that's, I, I think, a reflection of my life. I I've, I've found myself in areas where I just, it didn't flow. It wasn't easy. It wasn't aligned. And so quicker and quicker, I'll take myself out of that spot and, and bring myself into, into a place where it is aligned. Another way to think about this, for anyone who's listening, is that when we're growing up, they tell us our strengths and weaknesses are things that we excel at, right, or don't excel at. So uh, if I went to a job interview, they'd say, what's your strengths? I would tell them all the things that on paper I have excelled at in the past, and um, they'd say what your weaknesses are, and you'd come up with some clever answer, probably in an interview, or, or maybe some kind of. Honest uh, confession. And the way that we've taught about strength and weaknesses, I think, is, is incorrect because a strength for me now is when I'm doing something, if it makes me feel stronger, if it literally gives me more energy in my body, right? So when I'm speaking, coaching, writing, uh, public speaking, doing things with events, I can seemingly do it endlessly. It's like I'm the Energizer Bunny, it just keeps on going, right? And so for me, those are strengths. Um, now, but growing up, someone might have told me that, like, hey, one of your strengths is doing sales on the phone, right? And I'm really great at it. I can, I can close. I can, I can uh, dial, dial until you die. Is is what they you know they used to say back in the day. And, um, yeah, that after an hour or two of that, I would be very tired. I would want to go take a break. I would want to go do something else. So even though it was a strength on paper, I could produce excellent or impressive results. It was That's actually a weakness for me because it makes me feel weaker in my body. So now when I'm asking someone to design their business, I say, hey, let's build it around your strengths. Let's build it around things that literally give you energy, that make you feel stronger. Because I know when I, when I feel that rush of energy, I will be able to show up and perform really well. And if I'm doing things that uh, make me feel a little tired, a little weaker, like me getting into a spreadsheet with numbers, my energy is just, uh, it's getting drained. And I know <laughs> that in the long term, I will not excel in that space because I won't have the energy to do so.
1: Yes, this is why I am in business with my brother. Um, because he is so gifted when it comes to numbers. And um, I'm so grateful to have people like that in my life.
0: <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, so, okay. I feel like um so for the last question I could I could keep talking to you Alex forever. I I love talking to you. You you've got such a curious heart, but you also have a you you've you've thought about things and so you provide such a depth of of an answer uh that there's so much wisdom to your words and so I really really enjoy speaking with you. I've I've every time I've ever spoken with you I've, I've enjoyed it. Um well, thank you, Jonathan. And like yeah and you're very humble and i think that's uh you know you're also like yeah you're just you just like you ooze cool like you're just you're just this cool guy
0: yeah. uh <laughs> i'll take it thank you <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but i i yeah but i really enjoy hanging out with you and so um if if you were to uh you know what would be like one last piece of advice or or something that you'd you'd like you'd want to share with somebody or even yourself at a younger age, uh, what would that be?
0: Yeah. So if I could think about myself being younger or someone listening to this podcast, um, the main thing that I would prompt myself to focus on is some sort of reflective contemplative presence enhancing uh, practice like meditation prayer time in nature because when you incorporate that in, into your life and and do that on a regular basis you start to feel and see the path being laid out for you and you could also get present to your own human experience and maybe the yeah the the traumas that we've experienced or the patterns that we might have that maybe don't serve us, but any sort of practice that allows you to get present and to contemplate and, and to start to see and feel this path that's being laid out for you. And just like you did this morning, where you were able to, to get present and, and to get quiet and to hear that little whisper, it's going to be different for everyone. Someone could say that the universe is whispering to them. Someone might say like, yeah, I've developed a really strong, beautiful relationship with God, and I get to talk to him back and forth all day. Whatever that is for you, um the sooner you can develop that the quicker these doors seem to open and the more frequently you walk through the the right door or the most aligned door and that's when when life becomes this this beautiful surprise where you're excited to wake up every day to see how that whisper might come to life um and 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 that's the journey that that I'm excited for. That's the journey that feels the most fulfilling, and that's the the journey that has brought me the most success. So not only does it feel the best, but um when I'm in that space, from a business standpoint or from a financial standpoint, um, it seems to as a result, produce the the best outcomes so um Yeah, I was first introduced to meditation right around the time that I went to India. And it's been an off and on practice for me. And it's now a practice that's that I would pair with some sort of conscious altering uh, experience, whether that's you jump up and down, or you do some breath work, or you go and stand out in the sun in the morning, something that kind of, you know, gets you into your body gets present. And um, I'll meditate and, and I do have um, a prayer practice that I do as well now, and yeah that that seems to be the thing that holds it all together if i can if I can get some time every day to do that, uh things go really well for me, especially if I do it in the morning, and if I miss it for a day or two or three, then I notice things start to get a little misaligned, a little bit more chaotic, and I have to come back to the simplicity of of meditation and prayer.
1: Well, Alex, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, on behalf of everyone, just really appreciated this. Uh, This has been great. This was really, really cool. So how how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you?
0: Yeah, so um, thank you so much for having me on, Jonathan. I really, really appreciate that. Um, So as far as my private practice is concerned, something that I I used to be really... um, uh, I used to share quite often is that you can build this entire practice and business with just a social media account and a zoom account, um, which is what I've done since the beginning. So the main place for my own private practice is on Instagram. Um, It's at, at uh, alexander.ohm.official. And um, so that's, that's my main hub where um, I can connect through multiple different businesses. And um, yeah, you can also check out soulful sales um, the soulful sales where, um, we do a lot of beautiful work with health practitioners and, um, yeah, I've got, uh, an interesting personal project that I've just launched and released, which you could follow along with, which is I'm on day four of 900 days straight of personal transformation. So, um, a lot of the stuff that Jonathan and I talked about today, I'm going to be sharing throughout that journey for the next two and a half years. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the Bigfoot podcast. I love everything you and your brother have done. Um, I'm excited to listen to more episodes of Bigfoot and um, excited to catch up over a coffee soon since we're in the same city now.
1: Yeah. How great is that? I didn't even know you were yeah. back in Kelowna. So yes, this is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan.